What does the Bible have to say about PTSD? You may be surprised. Come on in. Let's talk about it. My name is Leah Huggins. I'm a wife, a mother, and a proud U.S. Navy veteran. After two tours to Iraq, my husband was diagnosed with PTSD. My world spiraled out of control as fear, anxiety, doubt, and depression took over. I gave my life to Christ, took on a new mindset, and let go of the negativity of my past. I now help wives to find healing, encouragement, and strategy to overcome the effects of PTSD on their daily lives and in their marriage. So come on in and let's talk about it. Welcome to Marriage, Motherhood, and PTSD. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Marriage, Motherhood, and PTSD. This is the place where we empower women to support their spouse through PTSD without losing themselves in the process. I'm your host, Coach Leah, and I'm so glad that you joined us today. All right, y'all, we got a good topic for you. So we are talking about what the Bible has to say about PTSD. So if you give me a few moments, we're going to turn this room into Coach Leah Sunday School class, okay? <laughs> All right. Now, the reality is, is that the words trauma and PTSD, they don't appear anywhere in the Bible. But all throughout the book, we find story after story about people that have endured major traumatic events in their lives. You know, it's it's filled with stories of people who faced horrible circumstances and trauma. Many of them were able to overcome and others did not. I think first and foremost, we need to talk about trauma. All right. We can't have a discussion about PTSD without talking about trauma because it's the trauma that leads to the PTSD. We define trauma as an event um, or a series of events where a person has experienced some sort of close-up exposure to death, um, where someone lost their life or their life has been threatened. Um, they may have sustained some serious injuries like the loss of a limb or another body part. Um, they may have even experienced some sort of sexual violence. You know, and being a witness to any of these things can be just as bad as having gone through the experience yourself. All of it can have a devastating, lasting effect on that person. All right. Now, trauma isn't just that. You can also experience trauma by being in a toxic environment. You know, you hear about these workplace, these toxic workplaces. You know, you can experience discrimination based on your sex, your gender, uh, your ethnicity, you know, so much more. You can be passed up for promotions or even harassed or just plain discounted based on things that are outside of your control just for basically being who you are, okay? If it's something that is common and repetitive and it keeps on happening and nothing is being done about it and you keep experiencing these major hurdles and setbacks time after time, then you can end up developing a form of PTSD. What you're experiencing is a type of emotional trauma, all right? And just like any other traumatic event, it can cause major damage and negatively affect, you know, the way that a person thinks, you know, their mind, body, and soul. Now, I've said it before, trauma is not just associated with the military and going to war, okay? Everybody in life is going to have some sort of trauma. The difference comes in the many ways that it can affect us and the impact that it has on our everyday life. You know, the way that someone chooses to deal with the situations that they find themselves facing. So the Bible is 
a book about relationships, all right? It's the relationship between a sovereign God and his people and also the relationships that the people have with each other, all right? The entire point of the Bible is to teach you the extent of God's love and to show you what it looks like even before you decide to accept it. You know, in this life, you're going to find that you're going to experience all kinds of trials and storms that can leave you devastated, you know, and feeling lost, you know, in a world of emotional turmoil. The people in the Bible went through all kinds of hardships. Some of them, you know, are, are much too terrible to talk about. But what God shows us through the pages of this book is the difference between experiencing those same trials, being in or out of relationship with him. There's examples all through the Bible of people experiencing hardships. And those stories show you the difference between having a relationship with God versus not having a relationship with him. God doesn't want anybody to perish. Throughout the pages of the Bible, there's so many stories that speak to every aspect of life. You know, whatever it is that's going on, you can find yourself in the word right there in the scriptures. <laughs> there's someone in there who's faced or that has gone through the same things that you've gone through. And even maybe the situation that you're in right now, you can always find yourself in the word. You just have to know how to look for it. You got to look deep enough and you can find a solution to your problem. And this is why the book is so important. All right. It has the ability to reach you wherever you are in whatever state you're in. Now, I got to be honest, y'all. Nowhere in the Bible does it promise that because you're saved and in love with God that he's going to keep bad stuff from happening to you. <laughs> if it was somebody, please find that for me. <laughs> I want to know what verse that is. All right. In fact, it's just the opposite. OK, what he's teaching you is that, yes, in life, you're going to have to go through some hard times. You're going to have to suffer. And there's going to be a lot of things that you don't understand. Like, why does it have to be you? Why me, God? <laughs> why do I have to go through this? All right. But having a relationship with God means that you're able to go through these bad things because he's there with you. He's walking with you on your journey and he's holding you up through it all. So the key word is that you are going through it. All right. That means that you can't give up in the middle of the process. Okay. You have to see your way through to the other side. All right. And a relationship with God is going to give you hope. It's going to strengthen your faith. Your relationship with him and his word end up becoming the foundation for everything. And sometimes it's really the only thing that you have to lean on. It's all a matter of trust. You just have to trust God enough to yield to him and to his plan for your life. So back to trauma. All right. As I said, the Bible is full of stories of people that have experienced all kinds of traumatic events. All right. But that's just life, isn't it? I mean, we've all faced some sort of traumatic event, something that may have shook us to our core, you know, possibly changed the way that we looked at the world and the way that we see the people in it. For the most part, we're able to bounce back. We can get ourselves back on track. But let's face it, you know, sometimes you have to roll with the punches, <laughs> okay? We've all learned how to take a licking and what? Keep on ticking. Amen, church. Come on. <laughs> but there's some times, you know, and, and some situations that they're not so easy to recover from. You know, as I mentioned before, trauma has to do with the violation. Somewhere down the line, there was an attack on you, you know, whether it was to your body, to your mind or to your spirit, you had to face some sort of adversity and danger. And because of that attack, you were violated. OK, and your life was threatened in some kind of way. 
Trauma affects us in layers. Again, it's the mind, the body, and the soul. And because it's not just one part of you that's affected when the trauma occurs, you have to tend to all the layers that have been affected. All right. Each layer is going to require a different type of treatment. All right. First, there's the experience that you've had on the natural level. All right. That's your flesh. This was the effect that it had on your actual physical body. All right. Something like a broken bone or maybe somebody was shot or maybe even, you know, an extreme case where somebody lost a limb or, you know, some part of their body was affected. All right. This is the physical layer. But then you have to think of the effect that that trauma has on your mind. All right. Trauma can affect the way that you think and the way that you perceive the world around you. All right. The real battlefield is in your mind. But we'll talk a little bit more about that later. So the last way trauma can affect you is on a spiritual level. All right. It can open you up to a spiritual attack. And the enemy uses what he can to get you to lose your faith in the turn from God. Right. So as I said before, PTSD is the result of having experienced trauma in any of its many forms. All right. It can cause a number of reactions. There can be intrusive thoughts or memories or dreams. Um, flashbacks can put you in literal psychological distress and it brings you back to that place, you know, in your mind, wherever that pain was. You know, those memories and, and the thoughts and the flashbacks, it can trigger you and put you in a state of emotional distress. And that can bring about depression and anxiety and even lead to self-harming behaviors. So who suffered trauma in the Bible? Was there anybody in the Bible that suffered from trauma? Now, I think the real question should be who didn't experience trauma in the Bible? Okay. Trauma is common. It's a common experience in the Bible. It's part of the story. It's a necessary part of the story. And it highlights the overall theme that the Bible is trying to share with this. And that's that God wants to heal you everywhere you hurt. In 2 Samuel chapter 13, Tamar is raped by her half brother. And then when her other brother finds out about it, he tells her, don't tell anybody. So she tears her robe and she puts ashes on her head, which is a sign that she was in mourning. It says in verse 20 that she ended up living a desolate woman in her brother's house. Desolate means that she was depressingly deserted and that she was in a state of emptiness. And that was the end of her story. In Ruth chapter one, we meet Naomi. You know, her husband and her two sons died. And so after that, she said, call me Mara. Mara means bitterness. All right. In verse 21, she says, I went away full, but the Lord has bought me back empty. Wow. It sounds like she's mad at God. You know, she goes on to say that the Lord has afflicted me and bought misfortune upon me. And that's the mindset of a depressed person. You know, somebody speaking out of their pain. But one of the clearest cases of PTSD that I found in the Bible is in 2 Samuel chapter 9. All right. So allow me to introduce you to a man named Mephibosheth. OK, if PTSD had a poster child, then this man would definitely be it. <laughs> this man would definitely be it. All right. He gives us a clear picture of what PTSD looks like. All right. Now, let's start. I'm going to tell you a little bit about his backstory. OK, you'll have to search your Bible for this because I'm not going to go into detail on everything. Um, and it's not in the chapter that I'm referencing. So you'll you'll have to go and find the backstory. OK, 
All right. So Mephibosheth is one of Saul's sons. Let's just say at the end of Saul's reign that they had a bad night in the kingdom. Okay. Now, back in those days, if the kingdom was being overthrown, they would kill the entire household of the king to make sure that there were no heirs to that throne. All right. Basically, they were exterminating them. Now, when word got back to the house that they were under attack, Mephibosheth's nurse, you know, or his nanny, she went to pick him up. And he was only about five years old, y'all. So she goes to pick him up and she takes off running and she's trying to get him to safety. But some kind of way she ends up dropping him. And what happens is, is that he becomes crippled for life. He's lame in both feet. All right. Now, I want you to take a moment to think about what this really means. OK, Mephibosheth was an heir to the throne. He was royalty. But because of the mistakes of somebody else, someone, you know, that that meant well, she was trying to help him. She was doing her best to take care of him. But she made a mistake and she drops him. We call this trauma. OK, and now he's crippled for life. Now, back in those days. Kings were military leaders, all right? So if you remember, or just in case you didn't know, the people chose Saul to be their king because of the way he looked, the way he was built. He looked like a king. You know, his son, Jonathan, he fought in the military as well. And it only stands to reason that Mephibosheth would have led the army as well when he came of age. Now he could have did just like they did in the movies, y'all, okay? He could have grown up, and, and had a vendetta against the bad guys and, and come back for him, you know, and he could have came back and took back the throne and ruled the kingdom. OK, but not Mephibosheth. <laughs> All right. Fast forward a bunch of years. We find him hiding. He's living in a place called Lodabar. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Lodabar. All right. Because it's important for you to have this understanding of what it was like in this area. All right. Lodabar was a dry place. All right. There's no lakes, no rivers, you know, no, no sources of water. It was a barren land. It was empty. I, in my mind, I picture tumbleweeds <laughs> going across, blowing across in the wind. All right. It's actually described as being desolate. We just heard that word in the story of Naomi, right? It was, it was described as desolate. And that means that nothing can grow there. Nothing could grow there. And in, in fact, it was most known for being the place that things went to die. Lodabar was a place of no communication. All right. Essentially, you were cut off. You were disconnected. That means that you couldn't hear from your family. You couldn't hear from your friends. And you definitely couldn't hear from God. So I want you to put yourself in Mephibosheth's shoes. All right. Literally, because the truth is we've all been dropped. OK, somewhere down the line, someone may have had the best intentions in mind for you, you know, but they might have missed the mark and dropped you. And you were the one that suffered because of it. All right. They crippled you. You know, maybe it was a molestation or abuse or maybe it was being raised in a toxic home. You know, it could have been neglect or divorce or the death of a parent. Childhood trauma stays with you and years down the road, you'll see the effect of it in your relationships and the way that you see the world. Now, back to the story. So years later, David is the king. All right. And he decides that he wants to find someone from Saul's family, anybody, and he wants to bless them. And when he finds out about Mephibosheth, he sends for him. Now, here's, here's what I find funny. Okay. All this time, Mephibosheth was in this horrible place and somebody knew where he was all along. 
All right. They knew who he was. And that just goes to show you that people will let you stay in a desolate place or in a, in a negative space as long as it doesn't affect them. All right. They let you stay right there because if you ever get free, you pose a threat to them and they're afraid that you'll end up getting what they wanted so bad or that you're going to take something from them. But what they don't understand is that what God has for you is for you. OK, and nobody could take that away. Can I get an amen? Amen. <laughs> All right. So Mephibosheth gets to David and he feels like he's unworthy of the blessing that David wants to give him. You know, after all, he's broken because it was dropped. He was disabled. And that meant that he couldn't do anything. Right. So he was no longer of value. <laughs> but David knew his value. He knew who he was and he knew who he was supposed to be. He knew that he had a position in the kingdom and that it was rightfully his. So that means that no one could take it away from him. So to make a long story short, Mephibosheth is taken out of Lodabar and he's finally restored to his rightful place in the kingdom. And this is exactly what God wants to do for us. Yes, we've been dropped, but we've got a place in the kingdom and we don't have to live in Lodabar. Now, now let me tell you something, all right? The people in Lodabar are under spiritual attack, all right? As I mentioned before, there's many reasons that people end up in Lodabar, but the bottom line is that the trauma they've experienced has left them open and vulnerable, and the enemy will use that to his advantage. And the Bible warns us to be careful because the enemy roams about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, all right. And he'll begin to whisper some things to you and he'll start you'll you'll start having these thoughts that seem to be out of the ordinary, you know, thoughts that you wouldn't have thought before. And this is why you have to be careful, because this is where the real battle is. The enemy is after your heart. And that's why the Bible says to guard your heart. All right. He knows that if he can get into your thoughts, he can make you start to doubt. He can make you start to hate. He can actually manipulate your emotions. And this is why you have to protect your mind as well, because that is the real battlefield. The way that a person thinks and acts is a direct reflection of what's going on in their heart. All right. And this can affect their relationship with the people around them. If you don't know, there is a fight going on, okay? The fight is between your spirit and your flesh, your fleshly, worldly, carnal nature, all right? That's very churchy, I know. <laughs> the Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And what that means is that our issue is not with the people around us. It's the spirits that are governing their words and their behavior, all right? Depression is a spirit of heaviness. Anxiety is a spirit of fear, okay? And both of those are going to be connected to PTSD. Now, I've said this before. What trauma does is to strip you of your sense of safety and your sense of trust, okay? You don't trust people. You surely don't trust God, okay? Because if you trusted him, you wouldn't have to deal with fear, all right. We have to do like what that father told Jesus. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. That's just real talk. That's a real statement. That is an honest statement. I really think it's a matter of people feeling forsaken, you know, like God has forgotten about them or he doesn't care. All right. The Bible is full of stories where you see people lamenting. All right. There's a whole book in the Bible called Lamentations. I mean, come on now. Side note. <laughs> Don't read that book if you're already depressed, okay? Because it's just going to bring you down, all right? And so that brings me to another point. The Bible is a tool. The word is a tool. 
While you can use it to discern the thoughts and intentions of man, you can also use it to correct your steps and to get back in alignment with God. You can also use it to comfort you and to cheer you up. You can also use it as a sword and protect yourself against the attacks of the enemy. All right, here's some truth. Anxiety overwhelms, fear paralyzes, and depression will disconnect. All right, this is why you need to know the word and how to use the word in order to fight against those attacks. The word is going to teach you how to recognize and process your trauma. It'll show you areas that have been affected by the trauma and give you the strategies that you need to overcome. Have you checked out the PTSD Wives Handbook? This book is for the wife whose spouse has survived trauma and is now navigating through mood swings, flashbacks, and mishandled emotions. PTSD can create a toxic home environment and cause a divide in the closest and most meaningful relationships. As a caretaker, the PTSD wife is finding herself at the receiving end of anger, aggression, and constant negativity. This can create a personal, mental, and spiritual health crisis for her. In this book, Coach Leah uncovers the hidden wounds of trauma and the effects that it can have on your relationship. Based on biblical principles, she teaches you the tools and resources that are needed to handle stressful situations and to seek help from the Lord and foster a deeper relationship with Him. By reading this book and putting the principles into action, you're going to learn how to take control of your life and grab hold of the power that lies within. Grab your copy of the PTSD Wives Handbook today by clicking the link in the show notes. Now, back to the show. All right. Now I've talked before about secondary PTSD, all right, which is the result of experiencing your own trauma from being a caretaker of somebody that has survived a traumatic experience. All right. As the wife or the spouse, you are the one that's closest to them. And unfortunately, you know, that makes you a target. And if I can be honest for a minute, you know, years ago when we used to have really bad nights where, you know, we had been fighting and things just got out of hand, I would leave the room and go sit in another part of the house and I would turn on worship music or preaching and I would open my Bible and read. All right. And this was actually a form of warfare. You know, the enemy can't chase you into the presence of the Lord. Okay. So I would sue myself by setting an atmosphere of worship and I would read the word to calm myself down and change the atmosphere. Now, when it comes to PTSD, the Bible doesn't specifically say, okay, here's how to deal with PTSD. (laughs) It doesn't. But what it does talk about are the things that are associated with PTSD, like anger, depression, anxiety, you know, how to deal with your emotions. And it even talks about how to encourage yourself. So one of the biggest themes of the Bible is actually dealing with the power of the mind. All right. So after all, this is where the real fight is. I've been saying it a couple of times. <laughs> all right. Especially when it comes to PTSD, everything stems from your thoughts and the way that you process them. All right. PTSD in itself is actually a spiritual attack. All right. Now, let me clarify. I'm not referring to, you know, I'm not referring to some forms of depression or other mental illness that are associated with actually having a chemical imbalance or something that's, you know, hereditary or is passed down through the family. 
Um, PTSD is actually a response to something traumatic that happened to you. All right. Now it can trigger a chemical response and activate some things that are lying dormant in you. But for the most part, PTSD has to deal with your emotional response to whatever it is that's traumatized you. The key is to learn how to process what has happened. And this is where the mind comes in. So there are plenty of scriptures that focus on having a healthy mind. All right. But my favorite one is going to be second Corinthians chapter 10, verse five. It says we should demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. All right. That's power right there. <laughs> if you study your word enough, you're going to know what goes along with and what goes against the word of God. All right. You'll hear a thought and you'll be able to determine who it's from. You know, again, the enemy is going to use your thoughts as a form of attack. He's going to whisper suggestions. All right. And you have to be able to sift through what it is that you hear to determine if it's a word for you or not. If it is, you take the appropriate actions. And if it's not, then you cast it down, just like the word says. The more you study your word, the better you're going to be able to discern those thoughts that come through your mind. All right. There's a scripture that says the word is able to discern the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. All right. Why is that important? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Proverbs chapter four, verse 23 tells us above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from your heart. All right. So what does that mean? All right. Well, basically, it's your heart that governs your emotions. Your emotions govern the way that you think. And the way you think will govern the things that you say and the things that you do. And this is why the condition of your heart is so important, because if you don't get your emotions under control, they are going to rule you and eventually they can ruin you. Now, PTSD is going to have your emotions all over the place. All right. You can feel anger and frustration and fear, anxiety, depression, grief, regret, remorse, guilt, shame, all of that. You can feel it all. And maybe even on the same day, <laughs> sometimes before 12 noon. OK. All right. It's a roller coaster. You know, there's there's going to be some extreme highs and there's going to be some extreme lows. All right. You just have to learn how to regulate those emotions and how to deal with them and what to do with them when you start to feel them. But another thing I love about the Bible is that it doesn't just tell you that you should act a certain way or that you should think a certain way. What it actually does is to give you the strategies that you need in order to do that. It doesn't just tell you what to do. It tells you how to do it. So for example, let's look at Philippians chapter four, okay? It gives us a prescription for anxiety. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then it goes on to say, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. All right. Now, if, if this ain't strategy, I don't know what is. <laughs> okay. No matter what the situation, just relax. 
Pray about it and give it to God and be sure to thank him for how he's going to move on your behalf. And then finally, change your focus. Don't concentrate on the problem. Concentrate on God. All right. Karen Clark said it in the song. She said, stop telling God about your problems and start telling your problems about your God. OK, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so the Bible encourages you to learn to trust God and to depend on him and to trust him to work things out. All right. He sees all he understands all, you know, our job is to seek him for the very thing that we need, whatever it is we need. We're supposed to seek him for that. And we got to trust that his plans for us are, are what's best and that he's going to work things out in our favor. All right. Now, there's a story in the Bible about Jezebel. I know we've all heard about Jezebel, but if you haven't read the story, it's very interesting. All right. So it's the whole story is about Jezebel and Elijah and um, and some things that were going down. So Jezebel ends up threatening Elijah. All right. And he ended up running for his life and he was scared. He was discouraged. You know, he was tired and he was stressed. He had run a whole day trying to get away from her. OK, <laughs> How did, can you imagine running a whole day from somebody? My goodness. All right. So he told God, you know, I can't take it anymore. Just let me die. And he sat under a tree and ended up falling asleep. And what happens is, is that God sent an angel and that angel woke him up. And he fed him. He gave him some water. He gave him some rest and he went back to sleep. And then the angel woke him back up again and he told him to get up and eat some more or he, he won't have enough energy for his journey. You know, he'll be too tired. And so the food and the water and the rest actually ended up refreshing him enough for the next 40 days. All right. God will always provide. The Bible even talks about what we're supposed to do as Christians to help someone else that's going through the same type of crisis. It says that we're to bear one another's burdens and to be helpers to each other. All right. If someone is sick, we're supposed to let the elders of the church pray for them. We're supposed to encourage one another and build each other up. Ephesians says we're supposed to speak with one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the spirit. OK, James says that true religion is to visit the orphans and the widows in their affliction. And finally, Proverbs 17 tells us that a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity. The bottom line is that we just got to be there for each other. All right. You got to help. You got to serve. You got to pray for them. You got to minister to each other in any way that's needed. We can go to God on behalf of our brothers and sisters and ask for him to help them. You can even ask him to show you how to minister to them. There's a story in the Bible about a man that was paralyzed. All right. And he was trying to get to Jesus. But of course, he can't because he's paralyzed. And so his friends end up taking matters into their own hands and they climb on top of the place where Jesus was teaching and they lowered him through the roof. All right. Can you imagine this? <laughs> can you imagine the type of faith that they had to have to do this for their friend? They had to know that Jesus was the source of this man's healing and they did what they needed to do in order to get their friend to him. And that's what we're supposed to do for our friends and our loved ones that are going through. The Bible is simply God's love letter to us. OK, it's full of history and wisdom and instructions and answers for everything that you need to get through this life. The answers are there. You just have to know how to find them. All right. I want to encourage you to seek after God for your situation. Search the word and see what it has to say about it. All right. I guarantee you can find yourself in this book 
wherever you are in life is there in those pages. All right. So today's coaching moment is going to be short and sweet. I want you to practice studying your Bible. Okay. First, you're going to need your journal and you're going to need a good pen. I want you to take a moment and think about the areas of your life that you want God to work through. Okay. Is it in your marriage? Is it in your parenting? Is it in your career? Or is it even in yourself? What are the areas in your life that you need to improve in? Okay. I want you to write a list of those areas and I want you to be specific and be honest with yourself. All right. You can always jot down the things that are happening in your life at this moment and write down your prayer and whatever it is that you want God to do. All right. And then I want you to look up some scriptures on that topic and see what the Bible has to say. Okay. If you're not sure how to do that, you can use my method. I always say go to Google, go to the Google search bar and type. Uh, type in the phrase scriptures about, and then type in whatever subject it is that you're dealing with. Okay. It's going to pull up a whole list of articles you can use. I personally like to use openbible.info. Okay. You can tell it's then because it says, what does the Bible have to say about? And then whatever your topic is. All right. They usually have a pretty good list of scriptures that you can use that are, are good and they'll be able to help you out. Okay. So I want you to search the scriptures and I want you to write down the scripture that speaks to your situation and then journal about how you can apply it to your life. So you're going to write the scripture and then you're going to write about how you can apply it to your life. All right. Write uh, about what the scripture means to you and how it pertains to your situation. All right. And be sure to write down any revelations that you get from this. All right. Sometimes you get a better understanding of yourself through studying the Bible. All right. Then I want you to take what you've learned and then pray and ask for help in those areas and be sure to implement whatever strategies are revealed to you. Okay. And keep track of it so you can go back later and see how God has answered your prayers and that he's worked things on your behalf. Well, you guys, that's my time for today. I hope that something was said today to encourage you to grow closer to God by reading and studying his word and to let you know that everything is going to be all right. Okay. Be sure to check out the link in the show notes to download the Bible study guide for this episode and spread the word. We're doing big things over here. Okay. I don't want you to miss out. So tell a friend and then tell that friend to tell a friend. Okay. And pull up, sis. We'd love to have you, okay? In the meantime, I want you to be encouraged. I want you to be empowered. And I want you to be blessed. Peace, y'all.